Hello and welcome to the Tulsa Times podcast. I'm Patrick McNicholas, the artist and researcher behind Time Travel Tulsa. And as always, I'm joined with local historian and friend John Beasley. In this show, we discuss Tulsa's past, present, and future. So sit back and relax as we talk Tulsa Times. So thanks for joining us for the premiere episode of the Tulsa Times podcast. Uh, I want to give a quick background on who we are and exactly why this podcast started. First of all, I'm Patrick, and as most of you know, I operate the Time Travel Tulsa page. And I want to introduce my co-host, who's also a tour guide downtown, a former teacher as well, and fellow history buff just like me. John Riverview Beasley. So go ahead and take it away. (laughs) Well, thank you, Patrick. So my family moved here to the Tulsa area in 1978. So I was eight years old. So I have, uh, you know, uh, seen a lot of change in Tulsa from the Main Street Mall, ice skating at Williams Center Forum, of course, Bells and Casa Bonita, which are always popular topics. And we're going to go over all of those eventually. Nice. Not nice. tonight, but um, definitely sometime soon. So I remember Sammy Sosa and Pudge Rodriguez. I remember when Woodland Hills Mall opened. So, you know, a lot of change in the time that I've been here. And so more recently, I've been a tour guide for and researcher for Tulsa Foundation for Architecture. I've been doing that since 2016. And for a few years now, I've also been a a tour guide for Tours of Tulsa. So I, um, I hope to provide maybe some color commentary, if you will, along the way. And, and I will, uh, certainly, uh, state my opinion. For example, best movie ever filmed in Tulsa, UHF, hands down, full stop, no question, UHF. Weird Al, 1989. Yeah, and we're we're hoping to have him back. Uh, you know, he spent some time up in uh, what was it, RSU in Claremore. Uh, and I know personally people that got a chance to meet him when he came back uh, for that. But you know, um, originally we kind of met, you know, before we worked as tour guides for the Outsiders House. But we did that for seven months on the weekends until the coronavirus eventually showed up. Um, but yeah, we drove that big bus. So if you've been over at the Outsiders House, that big bus in the back, we had a TV and, and my images played up on it. And we went to 12 different locations. So maybe even some of you guys that are listening to this were a part of those um, fun times that we had on the weekends because it honestly, we had, you know, 60 people a week. And uh, from all over the place, I mean, it would not be unusual to have like, you know, people from three different states on, you know, and we'd pick them up at the Hyatt and go down to the circle for the first spot. But um, we're working again together and we started this podcast as an addition to kind of our, you know, history interests and projects that we both have going and uh, you obviously have a YouTube channel. Sure, sure. I, uh, uh, it's a lot of fun for me to kind of uh, share, you know, Tulsa through my eyes. Um, so, yeah, I've got uh, several episodes up. Uh, hoping, I was hoping to, because uh, I have the day tomorrow, but I think we're supposed to start at 12 degrees or so tomorrow morning. So I'm going to put that uh, episode off until sometime 
next week. But uh, yeah, you mentioned my YouTube channel. You have a YouTube channel of your own, and then you have some other experience with what radio or, or digital podcasting. Yeah, I mean, uh, back at o- Oklahoma State. I uh, did some internet radio with a um, station that doesn't exist anymore, but KXZY uh, Internet Radio. And, you know, we did uh, DJ music mainly, but we also uh, talked. It was me and uh, the roommate of mine, so we they really just let us kind of have the place, and that's maybe why it doesn't exist anymore. But, um, no, we, we had a good time, and, and the show that I had was called The Color Volume, so that was where I got kind of my first... Uh, interest in online or I guess kind of digital audio but you know I've been featured as a guest on other podcasts and and I've always kind of been jealous that I haven't been able to kind of get one going myself so um, future episodes we're going to be having uh, guests on that'll bring greater insight and you know the latest information about what's happening in town because um, there's a lot of development happening and I couldn't tell you everything about that because it's so, it changes so often, you know, a daily basis even. But the main goal of this podcast really is to educate and inform and like I said, act as a historical record of its own. So the idea is really an extension to the Time Travel Tulsa page for people that have seen that. You know, uh, I'm limited to how much I can tell on a lot of those pages. So, for instance, on Instagram, I'm limited to about 375 words. And when telling stories on there, there's a lot of things that get left out. And so, for instance, you know, um, the most recent post, the Los Angeles, the blimp, you know, I mean, you've seen the photo. And, of course, it's um, featured in a lot of books and and there's also a lot of talk about the future of that travel even happening in downtown with the 320 Boston building. Yeah, that's going to be uh, featured because there is a picture of the Los Angeles and you can kind of see it between the Phil Tower and the National Bank of Tulsa building. And that that picture is on display and we'll come across it during next month's tunnel tour with Tulsa Foundation for Architecture. So every second Saturday, I lead a, uh, a tour, a walking tour for Tulsa Foundation for Architecture. So be sure to check them out. Follow us on social media. But excited about February's the tunnel tours. And we will be both in that Phil Tower and in 320 and uh, 320 South Boston, which is the old National Bank of Tulsa building. Both those are the two buildings featured in that picture. And it's kind of interesting because we do have one tour guide that still kind of presents it as factual that 320, the National Bank of Tulsa building, was going to be a mooring station for these airships. Uh, There's also a 2014 book about Tulsa that presents that as factual information as well. Now, you and I have both seen things that, well, really make that impossible. The Los Angeles could not dock in downtown Tulsa, but it's those myths or urban legends that they're fun stories, and that's how they get keep getting told over and over. And it's almost like, I hate to disappoint y'all, but the facts are... Yeah, and you know, I mean, we all want to believe that uh, a blimp somehow landed on top of a building downtown. And, you know, I mean, we can't say that it didn't exactly because uh, obviously the Los Angeles, it being the size that it was, there's no way that safely it could have got in between, you know. But, you know, with the airport 
in our air history, um, aviation history, which is an upcoming episode, uh, there is a possibility that maybe some of the smaller planes could have been moored somewhere downtown. However, the 320 Boston building doesn't look like, um, you know, if you were to get someone, a passenger off the airship, you'd actually have to go through the top of that building, and there's really just a steam vent. So it looks as though uh, it w- could have been possible, but it also looks a lot like other buildings at the time that were mooring stations. So I can understand, you know, the confusion. And that amazing, iconic photo is really um, one that's going to be used over and over. I was really glad to be able to work with uh, Damon's dronography to shoot that last week or a few weeks ago and get that out there for people to see. And uh, a lot of people liked it. So we're hoping to use that again in the future and also work again in the future. But uh, who I work for is Tulsa People, and I do a monthly article for them about uh, just Tulsa history. It's the last page of the entire magazine, so pretty easy to find for those looking for it. Uh, but the Robinson Hotel is is featured on there this month and will be on my page later this month. Uh, the last one I did was Street Markers, and again, that's a huge, long topic. And, um, <laughs> it is. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, you know, the street names. We should get callers for uh, that podcast to argue about Xanthus, Exanthus, and Exanthus. <laughs> well, yeah, and one of the things uh, about the street things and and one thing that we were talking about cherry street you know there's not a whole lot of solid evidence but one thing that i did notice when i was researching um telephones you know they had uh the telephone like sequence would be cherry you know you talk to the the operator so i think it kind of got more of a strength from the fact that it was a telephone area you know Ah, so that's kind of an interesting thing to but um, obviously, it's a new year. We're going to take a look back at 2021 coming up. But this week as well, what what birthday was it? 100? It was 124 years of Tulsa. So yeah, it was back in 1898 that Tulsa officially became a city. Now, Tulsa was, you know, pretty insignificant. The railroad line, of course, came through in 1882. But by 1900, which was our first official census, there were less than 1,400 people in town. So, you know, we were just a sleepy little uh, railroad uh, cattle town, really, was, you know, was our main focus. We were still largely agriculture. It wasn't until then 1905 and the discovery of oil in the Red Fork that, you know, Tulsa became what it is, you know, in that 10 years between, uh, 1900 and 1910, after the discovery of oil, our population went from 1,400 to over 18,000. And then by 1920, we were at like 75,000. So just, you know, seriously exponential growth once, uh, oil was discovered and we became the oil capital of the world. And there's a a lot to add to that story, of course. And, and again, we're going to save that for another upcoming episode. So we got plenty to talk about. But again, this is uh, the latest developments that are happening now. 
and the Discovery Center opening next week. There you go. Yeah, like a new birthday. Yeah. Um, so it's Monday. Monday is opening day for the new Children's Discovery Lab there at 31st and Riverside Drive, right there on the grounds of Gathering Place. And they claim 75,000 plants, trees, and new shrubs. And I was like thinking of that place a few years ago when it was just a huge parking lot. So there's a lot of work that just got put in on that alone you know the building itself they said 250 people uh auditor or you know kind of like a theater type thing um and a lot of things that reminisce its old location at owen park yeah yeah excellent yes looking forward to seeing it huge fan you know uh being a grandparent i've been in the old one there at owen park with grandkids and looking forward to making uh new memories with the grandkids at this new children's discovery lab and you were just over in the new area uh with the pedestrian bridge you were taking some photos there some panoramas of what's happening because both uploaded a picture today both the past and the present are existing exactly yeah right here in the present they don't need me the past (laughs) and the future we've still got you know there's just a little section of that 1915 midland valley railroad bridge that was the pedestrian bridge since the mid 70s and then on the west side you know the new pedestrian bridge continues to move across the river so it is kind of a unique time where we can in the present see both tulsa's past and tulsa's future i know and it's uh i'm looking forward to the pedestrian bridge um and over on riverside as well we have the neon lights that are back up and running route 66 neon park i believe it's called and, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, there was some damage to the lights that left them dark for a while. But again, they're back on, and uh, I plan on getting up there soon to do a uh, time lapse. But again, with this weather and the wind and... And, um, you know, hopefully don't, we don't have a it's February brutal. like last, uh, last year. No. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's, a, uh, you know, one of those things that we will always remember from. 2021. And there were many, but I think uh, it was the most consecutive hours under 32 degrees was the yeah, technically was... the record that we had. I just know it was, it was horrible. I remember, you know, uh, after weeks when the, the heater finally shut off for the first time and it was like quiet. So it was a little odd because again, that heater had been going constantly for what, a couple weeks? Mm-hmm. And um, we'll get into a little bit more of that in the yearly recap. Uh, but we're also awaiting the USA BMX over in the Greenwood area to open, which I think is going to be coming up within the next few months. And also OK Pop, which I haven't been uh, lucky enough to take a tour yet, but we've seen plenty of photos from outside um, and inside as well. The church studio, we did get a tour uh, to take of last week. Yeah, a couple weeks ago. Okay. Yeah, because I got to lead a group um, on a tour through. And just amazing. I am a huge fan of Teresa Knox. And all that she's done for Tulsa, you know, she started really with the vocational schools, was was her passion. And then that since Harwelden was her first major project. And again, I was there last week or so, and I just love everything she's done. Really spared no expense you know and i think you and i saw that in the church studio um it is a serious studio 
And, you know, uh, we'll talk more about this, I'm sure, but uh, Kenny Loggins has already recorded in that space. Michael McDonald is scheduled to come in. Jackson Brown is scheduled to come in. You know, there's uh, it is going to be a working studio as well as, you know, the event center, the museum, the archives, everything else that Teresa has added. Well, there's been, and, and a lot of people don't even know because there was not a lot of fo- photographic evidence at the time, but... You know, uh, Willie Nelson was there. Tom Petty signed his, what, first contract across the street. Right, and what's now the Freeway Cafe. Correct. And um, so, I mean, you know, that alone, I think there could even be like a book or something. But we were lucky enough, again, to take that tour. It's finishing. It's renovations. Um, but yeah, it looks amazing in there. I mean, I don't think it's, it's unmatched and I've been in a handful of studios and one of them that is very, um, deceptive from the outside. But when you get in there, it's like, how is this much space in here? But it's a uh, David T garden studio, which is just down the road. So we may have our studio row here, uh, our own studio row here in Tulsa. So who knows with that? So many exciting things in Tulsa. It's really, you know. Well, music um, alone. I mean, you know, Bob it, Dylan, true. like we said. Yes, and, and OK Dylan Pop, I mean, It just seems like it's kind of all connecting. And, and mm-hmm. we're seeing a lot more uh, house shows. I mean, there's music every night somewhere. Um, but uh, one of the last updates is something that's going to be coming up, an exhibit of mine with Art House and the Lost in America Gallery called Technology and Art. And it's going to be, again, at the Lost in America Gallery, 21st Memorial, from February 5th through the 20th. And I'm going to have two lenticular prints on that and um, some more exhibits on the way. So that's uh, what's coming up. But what do you remember from this past year? We're going to jump into our yearly recap and go over some of the memorable moments from this past year. Uh, Of course, it's impossible to mention everything, but certainly some things stood out. Uh, Fourth coldest February on record, there were hundreds of waterline breaks just in my neighborhood alone. And like you were saying, 11 days below 32 degrees and a negative 13 degree night, which matched the lowest of that of 1918. Yeah, it's not a record that I uh, enjoy setting, that's for sure. And it's going to be cold this week, and, and we're not even to February just yet, but as of the recording of this. Um, but this time last year we had Sundance, and this time this year we have Sundance, just not in Tulsa. Um, last year it was one of 20 satellite sites. The Admiral Twin, someplace you probably don't want to be in this cold temperature, but it is. it was used last year and is one of 400 drive-ins left in America. And, of course, we've probably all been there or at least seen uh, it in the Outsiders in a few different locations. But some historic investment in Tulsa this past year, $800 million in downtown alone. And, um, you know, still no love to the bank of commerce. Right. You and I have been watching that building for a while. You know, it sold a couple of years ago and it's for sale again. Um, But uh, yes, uh, uh, one of these days we will get to see under those, I'm sorry, ugly black metal panels that cover those beautiful limestone columns that are on that uh, National Bank of Commerce building uh, on Third Street. But yeah, all the development, you talked about 800 million, you know, the fact that all year you could look out onto the Tulsa skyline and there were 
three, four, five cranes up in the air between Davenport Lofts, the new WPX building, the new Santa Fe Square development um, behind Hotel Indigo, which is, you know, still relatively new. So, yeah, it is, again, exciting time to be in Tulsa. There's definitely a lot of love going to new developments, but I would still say, you know, we still need some love on, on the, like I was saying, the Bank of Commerce and the Parker Drilling Building. Everything that got, quote-unquote, modernized, it would be great to see that. I, I, Unmodern, that, I mean, it would have been great in that conversation. Uh, <laughs> like, this was a good idea. You know, it would have been right? uh, just to At be a fly time, on the wall. A different time and place. It was, you know, the 1960s, 1970s. They wanted everything to look new and modern. And so that... That McBurney building had a beautiful Art Deco facade on the bottom level. And then they actually, they literally chopped the top off. The spires that were atop that building were cut off. Ah. And those uh, black metal panels installed because somebody thought it looked cool and modern and space age. And that's uh, right across the street from where the Robinson Hotel was, which I mentioned uh, is that Tulsa People article currently but also uh from this past year and the year before that we had two presidential visits just in two years and the first president to visit greenwood and of course you know tulsa was the center of attention last year for the mass graves and the centennial um and just right before that one of the 15 documentaries that premiered on network tv I was lucky enough to work on the Westbrook uh, produced documentary, Terror in Tulsa, and um, I was interviewed for it, and I became pretty good friends with the director, but unfortunately, I wasn't um, in the final cut, you know, which was only an hour long or so, but um, it was crazy how Tulsa became kind of the center of attention um, for... Uh, you know, again, 15 documentaries, multiple podcasts that was just on that topic alone, like multiple episodes. When you talk about Tulsa in 2021, I mean, that is singularly the biggest event, you know, that that uh, recognition of the centennial of the massacre of 1921 and the destruction of Greenwood. And one of the things that, you know, that this podcast has that those podcasts don't is, you know, personal experiences from Tolson's that night. And for me, you know, that candlelight visual with the, the light rain and, and them singing spirituals, you know, hallelujah, Reverend Turner was there. There was a guy with a huge, uh, you know, I was just looking at the video earlier today and there were people with cameras everywhere. I mean, lucky enough, I had my, uh, I was, I was more kind of you know, commemorating the event. So I didn't have my camera with me. I just had a few photos from my phone, but I mean, the, the feeling in the air, I don't know if you were there that night, but the yep. feeling in the air that night was, uh, it was, it really was emotional. And in the fact that I spent, you know, a lot of my time last year researching this topic and, you know, there was an amazing response to my work, which was featured on my favorite photography website, Petapixel. And of course, um, you know, focusing on that history for most of the year for me really took an emotional toll and, um, it, it's still, 
you know, there's still a lot of unanswered questions to the whole thing. There are. And, you know, we could do an episode or two about, you know, not only that event, but then the, you know, 100 years subsequent and how we dealt with it. But, uh, yeah, no, I really appreciate your role. I know you had a few different exhibits, not only locally and at Greenwood, but uh, you even had an exhibit out of state during that time, right? Yeah. And um, there was the 2021, which was actually in Greenwood in uh, alongside uh, the Black Wall Street Alliance. And those guys had an even better uh, exhibit downstairs, um, which uh, just had, you know, every square inch of the wall was, it was covered. Extensive. Lincoln you could spend some, hours. Yeah. And, th- and that was open. I mean, you could go in there. Mm-hmm. But Lincoln spent so much time, and and big shout out to Shane and and Lincoln at the Black Wall Street Alliance, who had the old Williams building, or the location of the Williams building on the corner. They had an old um, 1920s vehicle that was donated. I mean, if you were in Greenwood for the events, you really kind of uh, witnessed something that was very unique. And then, of course, other places in town, I had an uh, exhibit with um, Phil Brook, Limitations and Now, and Koresh Ali Lanzana, who was my teacher uh, for the first uh, Tulsa Race Massacre class. Um, and then the Centennial Project of Living Arts, which opened the same night as the Liggett Gallery. But also, you mentioned, you know, out of town, um, the Calaboose African American Museum in San Marcos. And uh, working with the Historical Society again this past year. But the, the biggest impact was that exhibit, uh, working with Don Thompson, recreating his photos that he took. You know, a lot of the times I don't actually get to connect with the photographer that took the photos. So actually working with him and hearing his stories, you know, behind it. Uh, he was a teacher at Booker T. Washington, photographed North Tulsa for 40 years plus and has his work even featured in Washington, D.C., the Smithsonian African-American Museum. And he has a book that he, he gave me as well. Um, and, but we did this great image of the Williams family. And, and uh, prior to that, a lot of people knew about the Dreamland Theater. You know, over 700 people could fit in there. And it was kind of a, it played a role in the beginning of that night uh, 100 years ago. But the image that we did was the whole three generations of the family. So on the left side, we had the, the famous image of the car and their son in the back seat. So two generations. The dreamland where it was originally placed, which I have that photo on my page. And then Don's photo of, of Lloyd Williams, who was outside of the pharmacy. And again, that was three generations of the Williams family. But uh, Don Thompson, uh, great person for Tulsa and still going, still doing photography. And, um, I hope to talk with him again. He had, a uh, his images used for the pathway of hope, which opened right before the centennial. And, um, then after the centennial or right at the centennial, you know, Greenwood rising opened. Yeah. And so that, um, pathway to hope for people that aren't familiar with, that's the connecting route from, uh, you know, what's known as deep greenwood there at greenwood and archer and it goes around past or a side 
Highway 412 244, and that connects Greenwood to the John Hope Franklin Reconciliation Park. So between the ball field and the highway is that um, pathway to hope. And uh, yeah, I encourage everybody uh, to get out there, check it out. Um, you mentioned Greenwood Rising. They have a great app that you can see those pictures that you talked about of the Williams family, of the Dreamland Theater. And so there are stops um, throughout, you know, that small portion that's left of Greenwood after, you know, not only the massacre, but then, you know, uh, urban renewal, uh, the highway, um, Oklahoma State University, you know, everything that has impacted that. But um, they have many of those photos on that app so you can stand in those places where those significant buildings once were. And that path also takes you uh, to the museum around the corner in the Maybell B. Little House, and that's where uh, the yeah, president the Cultural stopped Center. earlier in the year. But you know, we had a we had a museum open, but we also had one closed. And we did, yes, Gilcrease after you know what uh, sixty years almost. But it's temporary. It is, yeah. So you know, it was. I know it was a tough decision. Um, for those decision makers, but the building again from the 1960s, you know, it was difficult to keep up with, you know, to modernize that building and, you know, museums of today are nothing like they were 50, 60, 75 years ago. The advance so, of technology, the use well, of technology in all these museums, including Greenwood Rise. I mean, it's, oh, it's indeed. A, yes. Know. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. So the, it was just easier, cheaper, just the better option to just knock down the current building. So that new building, the new Gilcrease is going to be on that same site. And, you know, so with the changes, you had mentioned the pedestrian bridge, that Midland Valley uh, Railroad Bridge earlier with uh, the, the, you know, demolition of Greenwood, you know, it was very difficult for some people. And, you know, I have the same experiences. I was at Gilcrease when I was a kid. I took my children July 3rd the you know day that weekend that Gilcrease was closed I took my two oldest grandsons you know we have great memories there but I'm also very excited to make those new memories with my grandkids the first time I was at Gilcrease was when my grandparents took me so now with the new Gilcrease I have the opportunity to take my grandchildren and introduce them to the new Gilcrease well a lot of people were carrying Gilcrease around with them and they didn't even know it for years it was on the license plate uh, oh, for, yes. for Oklahoma and that was the sacred rain era statue that's uh, famously at Gilcrease and has been there since the late 80s but yeah the license plate um, I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the arrow towards the sky and uh we were connected with Gilcrease and didn't even know it for, or a lot of people were throughout the state yeah, mm -hmm. yeah everybody had it on uh, the back of their car but we, we look forward to it reopening when it does so other things from this past year, of course, uh, sports highlights. We had, what, the Ironman? Yeah, so Ironman was on uh, Riverside Drive. Uh, well, it was, it was all over all Northeast over. Oklahoma, you know, between and Greenwood. The, the swimming, the biking, and, and running. Most of that running did take place on Riverside Drive, as you mentioned earlier. I'm 
Riverview. So love <laughs> that neighborhood. That's the focus of most of my YouTube videos as well are things uh, in and around Riverview. But yeah, the Ironman was exciting. It was a great day for Tulsa. It was a great day on the river. You know, we had the return of Tulsa Tough, always huge for downtown, but specifically, you know, uh, you and I got to hang out at uh, my apartment on the river uh, for um, Crybaby Hill. I always take as many photos as I can so I can remember it. There you go. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, wow. we always have too much um, fun. And uh, that's usually kind of the MO when you're down there is uh, if you're not having fun, then you're in the wrong spot. Cause, right. <laughs> you're not doing it right. Yeah. But, you know, just sports in general, you know, Oklahoma is known as, as a sports haven for many athletes. Um, and some great soccer uh, matches that were this past year, Indeed. Tulsa Athletics. Yes who I became kind of a bandwagon fan uh, of. Uh, They used to be the Roughnecks, of course, not uh, FC Tulsa. Uh, These are two different teams, but they reached the NPLS National Championship game, and I was unfortunately unable to see that, but I was able to see it live on TV. But we attended every other game, and uh, a lot of those same team players play for Tulsa soccer, which won their conference and reached – the Elite Eight and that kind of sort of March Madness, I guess you could call it, you know, a bracket for the NCAA. But speaking of March Madness, it was ORU who made it to the Elite Eight, unfortunately lost, but they were a 15 seed making it to the Elite Eight. Max Acemas, uh, they lost by two points to a three seed Arkansas. Yep, amazing. Yes, unbelievable. And yeah, was, yeah, there was a lot of excitement for sure in this town about that. I mean, March Madness is always fun, but when you have somebody in the fight, you know, that makes it all Indeed. that much better. Because most of the time we have our teams get knocked out so early and we expect them to go much longer. Uh, yep. But think about you, O State. <laughs> <laughs> Disappointed a few times. And uh, of course, we had a Bedlam win if you're an OK State right? fan like myself. <laughs> um, but. Breaking news this past year. Um, oh, we need a breaking news sound. <laughs> um, drillers turned noodlers. Noodlers. A lime green design. That they was were doing, interesting. They were doing noodle noodling. Noodling. Uh, noodling no G. tutorials <laughs> live at the game. Was uh, uh, interesting. And it's definitely Oklahoma. I wish I would have screenshotted some of those uh, comments that they got um, because it was a promotional thing more than it was probably anything for them. Oh yeah, yeah. they sold a lot of merchandise yeah. that week. Let me tell you, and it's probably being resold for even more now. Um, but so, have you noodled? Have no, you ever been in the river? Okay. I mean, I grew up. I, so um, I have. They um, call him John Riverside Beasley, but they call me Patrick Oki from Muskogee uh, <laughs> McNicholas. So that's where I was born, grew up on Lake Eufaula, and, and there was noodling happening very frequently. Yes, the uh, the Oki Noodling Tournament. There were guys, many people there around Eufaula getting in there, and, and they know where those holes are and where you're going to find those big flatheads or, or blue cats. And they were kind of ahead of uh, the curve, uh, now that I think about it, with filming that kind of stuff because we've had a whole bunch of increase in film shot in Oklahoma. Oh alone. yes. So that Oki Noodlin was Brad Beasley, and um, a relate, so yeah, relative that was, of yours. Uh, no, oh, okay. no different spelling. So d- 
distant relatives. He gotcha. uh, also did the one on a great documentary, The Creek Runs Red, about uh, Tar Creek and Pitcher and Carden up in northeast Oklahoma. But yeah, you're right. He was, you know, uh, when we think about, you know, um, all the filming that takes place around here now. Yeah, he was uh, here pretty early. Yeah, we had um, Scorsese film one day here at the Federal Building, which I got to learn a lot more about. Very interesting building uh, over there on uh, Third. It's on Cheyenne. Yep. Cheyenne. Mm-hmm. And um, built in for three different phases. I, I definitely suggest going to check out that uh, post. But Scorsese was here. We had some heavy hitter actors and we became uh, itself uh, Tulsa became a heavy hitter um, Sterling Harjo with the success with FX and, and native representation for Res Dogs and yes, uh, big fan of Sterling we were talking about Gilcrease another memory I have of Gilcrease that was the first time that I met Sterling was at Gilcrease when he was in town with the 1491 yeah he mentions that uh, in, in the podcast and he mentions Tulsa as well, you know, so he's still a Tulsa guy, and I got a chance to hang out with their crew at one of the rap parties, uh, so, you know, easily approachable, and um, yes. other yep. film-related items, not new, but old, we have uh, the plaques that were put up, an outsider's plaque outside a circle, the Hall of Fame, or the Walk of Fame on the ground there, and uh, a second Rumblefish plaque at Third Street across from the existing one, and you know those have been obviously um, in the news a lot, and obviously great plaques as well, just commemorating the shooting locations, which is a great idea. I appreciate Danny O'Connor, Danny Boy, we, and all that he all has should, yeah. brought. You know, and um, yeah, that's 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 his project, that's his passion project, and mm-hmm. uh, here in Tulsa, we are fortunate to. Uh, to have him here. He's, he said this, uh, we were filming the other night with, uh, Thomas C. Howe getting this, uh, virtual tour, um, both Thomas C. Howe and Darren Dalton, who are the kind of the main soch and the main actor. We had them both record, uh, introduction for our virtual tour. And of course, you know, the, like I mentioned earlier, we had a 360 camera and we went inside the house you were there, in fact, uh, for some of the shooting of that, I believe. Yep. Um, but we we did a whole, you know, online virtual tour, which exists on um, uh, online, and we do those tours for for uh, students all over the country because you know that that book is a recommended reading for all seventh grade. Or, or somewhere around that that age group, um, but we do Zoom recordings with um, you know as far as Massachusetts was one that I did recently, and we have another one coming up. That's been um, very fun, and and the fact that we keep improving it, uh, you know, I, I'm going to be interested to see where where it is later this year. What other what other things come to mind from last year? Um, you spent a lot of time at the spotlight. You know, we were there for Fourth of July. I did. It's kind of weird how that all worked out for me. So, the Spotlight Theater is like a block, maybe two, from where I live there in Riverview. Um, and I had been a number of times. You know, I think the first time I was there to see the drunkard was back probably early 90s but um when you know so excited when they were reopening the theater so me and my oldest granddaughter 
went for reopening night, which was May 1st or so, somewhere around there, and then went a couple weeks later with some of the neighbors. One of the neighbor's daughters wanted to... Um, uh, to try out for one of the roles. And so I went kind of as emotional support and we were talking and, uh, the, one of the people that was conducting these, uh, tryouts was like, uh, you with the voice. Hey, Hey, yeah, yeah. So, you know, they kind of <laughs> suckered me into, um, being, uh, the MC. So, um, couple times a month, maybe on a Saturday night that you will find me there at the uh, historic Riverside studio in the spotlight theater being the host and MC for the drunkard and Olio. And then they invited me to be on their board of directors. So now I'm on the board of directors. You and I were there for their open house, uh, July 4th. Well, yeah, um, I was going to say it all started, uh, 4th of July when we were, we kind of just walked in, right? I mean, didn't they have some kind of, well, they did, you know, I, Oh, I think they announced it in our neighborhood association that oh, they would okay. have an open house that day. And since of course the fireworks were back and they're right on the river, what better place, you know, and to hang out. It doesn't get dark until mm. like 10. Uh, in the oh summer, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Dead. <laughs> but yeah, no, we, we, they gave us a tour, uh, into the, how it was built into the hill and then that's right and then i that did a was, subsequent post that, that was, was the first time that i was you know upstairs and back behind. oh yeah and so and i have a full tour of that building again on my youtube channel yeah yeah, yeah. um and that hat that you're wearing too is a is a good one so it's it's easy Thank to stick you. out the, when the, you see the it flat hat it's an amish hat that's what i yeah. wear on stage <laughs> It's a good one. So I've got the suspenders, all that thing. That's part of my, you know, 1840s, I think, was uh, when the, the drunkard was supposed to take place. It's a fantastic, hilarious, uh, melodramatic temperance play. Um, you should see it. If you haven't, if you're listening and you are in Tulsa, in the Tulsa area, or going to visit Tulsa, it's a Saturday night that you won't forget, I assure you. And over in that neighborhood, you know, that's a happy moment, but one of the kind of not as happy moments from this past year was the uh tree that was over the um and you did a post on that on your youtube as well the eulogy for the tree i did yep yeah. it was uh um, i called it the uh the arch uh, my kids called it the rainbow tree because yeah it was this cottonwood that had grown you know to it was a younger cottonwood so to avoid the competition of some of those older cottonwoods it grew out over the um the trail and then kept leaning and leaning and leaning until it formed this perfect arch over uh, riverside uh the river parks trail but of course could not stand and yes yeah, she eventually succumbed to gravity last year and uh yeah is 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 gone goes into the um the archives because uh, i mean they, you know um, imagine how many people and and i'm sure there's somewhere there's a number but the the people that use riverside and and just for the really recreation in tulsa in general but have passed underneath that tree or by it or and then you know we maybe we mention it and then they can kind of remember that but uh speaking of researching and remembering stuff um the library research facilities oklahoma room which 
maybe not a lot of you guys have been to, but up on the third floor, there's a great research facility, and it was closed for a short amount of time. Yeah, well, uh, most well, of long 2020. Long of time, yeah. yeah. And so it was After tough to get in there, and, 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 you know, certain things aren't online, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of things exist uh, in there, and so you have to actually go up there, and it's great to be back up there. So those Sanborn maps where mm-hmm. we can look back at the maps, you know, dating back to the 1890s. Uh, the Polk directories, I think, you know, are, are the, the resource that I use the most, but all the vertical files that are in there, all of the microfilm from the uh, Tulsa World, Tulsa Tribune, other Tulsa newspapers, mm-hmm. all of that is up on the uh, third floor. So, yeah, yeah, I, I uh, miss that place and glad that they opened last year finally and up about on the third floor um something that didn't run the sky ride which is right above the ground uh at the fairgrounds and that goes back to 1965 and uh, of course you remember riding it i remember the fact well, that it state fair at bells ride the zingo yeah it was um fairgrounds unfortunately ungoatastic <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's, <laughs> and for those of you that are not, Goat Tastic was a thing that the State Fair had uh, back in 2015, a, a promotional thing. But right, with their mascot, the goat. Yeah, the goat. The and, fair, uh, it's Goat Tastic. He um, is a great mascot. Uh, Greatest of all time. Yeah. Right? Well, it it's one of Tulsa's greatest mascots of all time. <laughs> Um, but there's a petition second to noodlers, right? Well, yeah, I guess we forgot to mention, forgot to mention that, but the petition online, you know, to help the sky ride, maybe get back up and running, uh, is there. And it's maybe one of 13 left in the country and nearly one of is that right? two wow. or three of the oldest. Sure. And, uh, it was used in New York, uh, the, pretty much the same kind of design, 64, 65 for ah, that was the, the world's, world's fair. fair. Okay. And so, uh, just looking back at this past year, um, that's kind of a recap. And of course, like I said, we didn't mention everything, but it was a very eventful year. So, what do you think that we missed from this past year or what we forgot to mention? Leave it in the comments below. And uh, if you like this podcast, give us a follow and be sure to like this episode. But that will do it for this edition of the Tulsa Times Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Nicholas. And I'm John Beasley. And if you have any thoughts, questions, ideas, reach out directly, social media at Tulsa Past. Tulsa past at gmail and tulsapast.com. We uh, plan to be on more podcast platforms soon, so just be on the lookout for that. I want to thank Jimmy, our audio engineer, uh, the Patreon supporters, and everyone who has encouraged this venture so far. So that'll do it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tulsa Times. <laughs>